Welcome, I'm Melissa Durda, and this is Synergo's Cultivate the Soul podcast, stories of purpose-driven philanthropy from around the world. Over this series, we explore together the intersection of contemplative practices, spirituality, philanthropy, and social impact. Join us as we dive into the personal journey of each guest and what they have discovered about the role of inner work on one's capacity to change the world. To learn more about each of our guests and view the full episode list, please visit synergos.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Scott Krenz one of the co-creators of the 1440 Multiversity and a director of the 1440 Foundation. I guess I would say that I cultivate my soul, if possible, by stopping all the stories I tell myself about how I've already done that and starting over on the question. Today we are joined by Scott Krenz, co-creator of 1440 Multiversity. In 2010, Scott and his wife Joni launched 1440 Foundation, a grant-making organization committed to the cultivation of truly real and connected relationships with self and others as a basis for living well. The work of the foundation led them to launch 1440 Multiversity, a 21st century learning destination in the California Redwoods of Santa Cruz County. 1440 helps people and groups interested in finding their own unique connection to meaning. You can find Scott's full bio on the podcast website. So Scott, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Nice to be here, Melissa. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to get us started by asking you to tell us a story or a memory from your life that helped you understand what matters. That's a perfect question because it's exactly the question that I asked myself now 20 years ago when my father passed away. And I had this, sometimes I call it a confrontation with mortality. And the question, what matters, is exactly the one that came up. And I don't claim to know the answer, but I've got 20 years of time into the question. And I used to think before that moment that what mattered was largely what was outside and around me. And afterwards, I dove inside and thought, what matters is what's actually inside of me or inside of all of us. The more up-to-the-date opinion I have is that actually what matters is the space between us. Yes, we all have our own story and our own history and but the space between us where the energy of coexisting is cultivated is where the learning and the discoveries to be found. I think it's easy to dive deep into oneself and then never come back. And I'm not critical of anybody who's done that. But for me, I think there's more energy and more life and more learning to be found in that space between what matters is the space between us and what we contribute to relationship with one another and with nature and with the world we live in. And so that's what matters to me is that space. Beautiful. And you would say that it's been since your father's death 20 years ago that you've come to that place of knowing that for yourself. Or was there an experience that you maybe had that also helped develop this understanding for yourself? The moment jarred me when 20 years ago it happened. I met someone early on, a monk, Buddhist monk, that I learned from for a time. And I spent a lot of time in meditations of different types, silent and otherwise. And I continue to do that. And I found those and still find them to be nourishing. The evolution really came with the focus on the development of the multiversity and the campus as a place to have conversations that matter. 
to interact between people, to build relationship. And the creation of Multiversity Campus itself was a powerful experience in understanding the interrelationship of space and people and nature. And those are learnings I carry and, and learnings I still pursue. So with this podcast series, we're looking at who we are and how we nurture ourselves and how that connects to the change that we're seeking to make or that we're making in the world. So before we get into multiversity and the work that you're doing there, I'd like to invite you to share a little bit more about yourself around where your personal passions may lie and what you do to nurture yourself. Passions I have kind of fall into two categories, I guess. One is the interests that I have intellectually. It's above the neck and below the neck. (laughs) I think I'd say I'm deeply curious about a lot of things. Some of those stimulate me intellectually because I'm trying to understand something that I don't in some way. But then if I think about really whole person, the passions I have are best when they're not intellectual. And one example, I have a really uh, fondness for old automobiles, old cars from the 50s or even from the 30s. And the experience of piloting one of those on a windy road through a forest or on the coast is a completely immersive thing for me. The sounds and the smells and the road and the feel and the sights and the behavior of all of this mechanical system that is propelling us in this really, it's almost primitive compared to the insulation of today's automobile that is more a functional tool than an experience. And that takes all of me to pay attention to, especially driving fast. And as a result, it takes me out of pondering the things that I might otherwise be spinning around in my head. So I just find that when I can immerse my whole self in something, it's not the same. And it's not a habit. I'm more comfortable in my head. I always have been, or at least up until trying to spend more time being aware of that and and really recruit the rest of me into the life experience more consciously and more thoughtfully. And I just find a lot of enjoyment in that. That's beautiful. I can picture you on the coastal highway in one of these cars. I almost pictured you in a convertible, so I don't know (laughs) if that's part of the experience or not. (laughs) That's a very good guess, Melissa. Probably (laughs) 80% of the time, that's true. It's one of the beauties of living in California. Having the top down is usually the right choice, and the open air is like nothing else. So you would usually find the top down on these cars. Beautiful. That allows you, as you say, to have the whole person experience. So tell me about your foundation, about 1440 Foundation. What inspired that? What are you doing through that work? The foundation began in 2010, and it really started out as a project to support learning for children, what's called social and emotional learning. And it was trying to teach or offer curriculum for kids to learn about the rest of themselves. And we spend a lot of time in science and math and English, and we spend very little time on the rest of the self, the inside of the self, the emotional, relational, social self. And that's what this curriculum material is about. So the first three years of the foundation were really spent mostly in in the education world for kids. And then the opportunity to expand the scope of that into multiversity, to actually create a place for relationships to be curated and cultivated and developed became the foundation's stance in the physical world. It wasn't just about 
thinking about these things. It was a place that held you in order to make it possible. And I can talk separately about the multiversity and its aspirations. The foundation today is also involved in supporting care delivery in the cancer and the medical worlds because, and it's really an outgrowth of the same belief, which is relationships determine health. One of the principal sources of suffering is the caregivers who are suffering in trying to provide care even before COVID and burning out and in some cases depressed and dysfunctional and even suicidal in trying to maintain their role as caregivers for all of us. So the foundation today is also very actively involved in programs to deal with grief and depression and moral injury and stress in the healthcare field and serving doctors and nurses. At its core, it still has to do with relationship. And in that case, it's relationship with self and relationship with the people in your field of care. But it's another version of trying to build a healthier relationship. And oftentimes, one of the healthiest components of a relationship is that you're able to ask for help and admit a struggle or a need. And that's one of the things caregivers aren't very good at, for example. So trying to help them both acknowledge that and then work on it. So the foundation is many faceted, but it really all comes back to the same core belief, which is healthier, more connected relationships make a bigger difference in a positive way in the lives that we all lead. Thank you for sharing that. How is moving it then to the space, creating the space for this? How has that been in terms of a shift and what have you seen in terms of impact? The creation of the multiversity as an outgrowth of this commitment to relationship was a very organic thing. Having now built it and operated it for the last almost seven years now, six and a half years, it'd be easy to rewrite the story as if we had a clear vision from the start, but that wouldn't be true. At the start, we were just trying to build this kind of a sanctuary in the redwood forest. And we came across this thousand-year-old redwood forest that's 20 minutes from our home here in Silicon Valley. It was available. It was a school that had been shut down. So we bought it and we built it over the next five years. But in its evolution, the understanding that it's given us is to have healthy, strong relationships requires intimacy. I actually think intimacy is what we all crave in life more than anything, not necessarily with another person. It could be with an automobile. It could be with a redwood tree. It's certainly with one's own self, really honest, intimate connection. Well, what does it take to bring intimacy into relationship? It takes vulnerability. We have to be vulnerable in order to be open, in order to allow someone in. What makes vulnerability possible? Safety. And so what we've evolved to understand multiversity's purpose is not because we designed it for this, but it's informed us along the way as we've built it and used it, is that the campus is a setting where what we commit to is holding safe space for people with deep, we call it deep hospitality, deep care. And in a deeply held safe space, whether people come there to work on a relationship with a significant other, with a child, with self, with a team in a professional setting, the relationship types are all kinds. That's why we call it multiversity. It's multiple doors into the same room. You could walk through the door of a personal or a professional or an individual relationship. But if we create a deeply caring, safe space, then people can relax into that space. And it's easier to then open up. And if that's shared, then that is a breeding ground for intimacy. And with intimacy comes the opportunity to build 
bonded relationship and connection and understanding in a deeper way, which hopefully then one can take back out into the world and share and live from. And that stronger relationship makes arguably anything and everything else possible. So the multiversity became a place that was necessary to have. And I guess this kind of goes back to your first question you ask. It's a place to have a whole body experience. It's not an intellectual experience on a couch or in a conversation only. It's held in the redwood forest. It's fed with organic food as medicine, with care delivered by example from people that care deeply about you having an experience while you're there. It's recruiting the whole body, recruiting the whole person into the relationship experience. And it's just a much stronger, more powerful offering than lecturing or reading or talking about it. That's beautiful. So with Synergos, we came to 1440 Multiversity in 2017. We gathered a group of funders of mindfulness and spirituality. We had 70 participants. So I have experienced your space at that time, which was really beautiful connecting to nature and the beautiful space that you've created there. So tell us a little bit about who goes there. How do they use the space that you've created? Thank you for the compliment and for being there. You were among the earlier attendees in the history of the place. We'd only opened in May of that year and you were there later the same year. So there's a couple of different examples of types of groups and people that come. One, as I mentioned, are the healthcare workers. We've hosted now about 3,500 or so different nurses and doctors. And sometimes they'll come individually, and sometimes it's the ER department or anesthesiologists that will come in and be there for a number of days with organized program and curriculum and space and time. It's also in our cancer care work. There's a group that we're involved with and, and supporting that is working in the field of care delivery. So that group will come. And then we also have, we partner in a way with a lot of different organizations. Some are corporation and business centric places where what they're working on can vary, but typically it's around leadership and team building and communication and building professional relationships of greater depth and strength. We support a lot of nonprofit activity. So we have nonprofits that come and in that teaching or that hosting that we do, oftentimes groups provide their own content and curriculum and so forth. But the nonprofit world is a very difficult space to live in because you're perpetually resource constrained and challenged with trying to do more than is realistic with less than you should have. And that is another source of strain and stress and burnout. And it can be nonprofit organizations. We host several of those. And we also host a lot of individual events for people to just come and be with us sometimes just for an evening and listen to a talk or spend time with one another over food as medicine and, and a teaching about eating well and protecting the land and the planet while you do that. And so there's a wide variety. And it sounds like you're connecting the work of the foundation with the space. So the space is also providing a safe space for those that you're working with at the foundation. And also you're opening it up to other organizations and others within the community who also can use the space for their own reasons. Is that correct? It's true when there is alignment of purpose. And so for us, our mission is creating hope for living well. And so, for example, if somebody wants to come and work on stronger teams and relationship and connection, and that's an alignment. But if somebody's coming or proposes to come and they want to have a budget meeting or a product planning meeting or 
a business meeting of some kind without some other interrelational intent, that's not what we do. So there's a cross-section, even when we're hosting the activities of others, and usually it's an integrated thing where they will come with a curriculum and a content, and we also have classes and offerings around some of the same team building and leadership skills. We run our own leadership programs that where we teach and, and people attend. So it's a mix, but it does have to have a mission alignment. Wonderful. Now you've already had the space for several years now. Where do you see it moving in the future? Well, one of the most exciting developments before it connected to 1440 is in this area of psychedelic assisted therapy. And it's in some ways, I actually think it's unfortunate that it, the term leads with psychedelic, the medicine or the plant. It's really about altering one's consciousness in order to inquire about our stories that we tell ourselves and whether they're really true and what could be different and how we really desire to evolve and what gets in our way. So this whole field of, I'll call it more generically, altered state therapy is really about creating a proper setting for someone to have an experience, focusing on mindset that one might bring into that experience. Then you have in the center of it all, could be a psychedelic experience with a medicine or with a plant, or it could simply be breath work. There's a number of altering techniques that don't have anything to do with medicine, but it's about taking one's narrative and putting it on hold and being able in that calm, clear state without all the stories that we tell ourselves to ask in whatever way is relevant for each person. It's a very individual thing. Where am I and where do I want to be and how am I feeling about where I'm now? And oftentimes these experiences don't go the way one designs or hopes. They, one of the things that's often said is it gives you not what you ask for, but what you need. But it's our vision over the future with the multiversity that we have a setting in the Redwood Forest and we have a practice of deep hospitality and care for people that makes it safe for them to be there. And if we introduce into that the potency of some of these altering methods, whether it is breath work or whether it is ketamine or assumed to be other legal medicines in California, we can really offer the opportunity for people to look deeper into their own selves and be more empowered to both find and then upon that discovery, make choices about how they want to leave that experience and live forward. And I think that this therapeutic methodology and all of the surrounding care and support for the integration of that and the durability of it over time, it's a whole field emerging that you'll hear many people say, I spent years in therapy and weeks of psychedelic experience had more impact on my life than those years offered me. So I think this is a huge field of deep impact on probably the loudest, most demanding pandemic that we have or epidemic that we have, which is loneliness and depression and stress and anxiety. It's the silent killer. And this method and modality needs a lot of evolution and needs a lot of work to become a refined practice because it's so powerful. But I think it has the potential to alter the way and empower us in the way that we choose to live our lives like little else that I know of. And the multiversity has the chance to be one of the examples of creating a proper set and setting for that work 
that is more important in many cases, I believe, it's more important than the psychedelic itself. It's really how do you prepare yourself for it in your mindset, and then what setting do you have that experience, and what integration and what support do you have going forward. Those surrounding attributes are far more important than the moment of the experience of whatever that psychedelic medicine brings. It's what do you do with it? And this is where I think we have an opportunity to participate in a growing field of interest. So I could take all the time and more we have on this podcast to talk about the potential of psychedelic assisted therapy, but I think it's huge. And I think we have a distinct role to play. Yeah, many of the members of our spiritual civilization group are involved in some capacity and some we both know. And you did mention well-being, but is there something larger that these initiatives and also the space that you are offering, is there a larger vision that you see for the planet? There's a striking consistency in people's anecdotal stories about their psychedelic experiences. And this is not just in the recent years, but over decades, and in some cases with indigenous practices over centuries. But to me, the striking similarity in people's stories and discoveries is that in one way or another, what comes through is we are all connected. And perhaps, who knows, we share even a common origin. And so when we look at the polarization in the world today and the harm that's being done from one person to the next, the only way as a presumably rational human being, that you could inflict that kind of harm on another person is if you made them separate from yourself. And obviously that could be true between someone Jewish and Palestinian, someone Russian and Ukrainian, but it can also be, you can make an other out of a person otherwise in one's own family or one's own life in a way that if instead I viewed that person as a part of my own self, or I saw their existence as not that different than my own, and not just had that intellectual thought. This is the difference between this kind of work. It's not a thought experiment. It's a whole body, whole self knowing. And to me, again, as I said at the beginning, it's striking how similar the description of this experience is between totally unrelated, separate people in different cultures, different countries, different times. There's a very consistent takeaway that in deep ways beyond our understanding, we are all connected. And if some version of that makes its way into our collective consciousness, there's going to be a pause before inflicting harm on one's own self that is, I think, fundamental to changing the trajectory that we might otherwise be on in separate existence. So I'm not under any illusion that that's a magic pill or that it's going to happen you know, overnight, but it's actually dealing with the cause and not the symptoms of the problem. The harm we do is a symptom. The cause is losing connection. And so to reestablish that connection is to break the chain. Well, this has been fascinating to hear, and I have no doubt that you're contributing to that larger vision. How can people learn more? We would love to have people come and share the work that we're doing. And at 1440.org or 1440multiversity.org, you can find us on the website. There's a lot of offerings there as well in clips and clicks and things on the site. More powerfully, for those for whom it would be possible to do so, to come and spend some time with us would be wonderful. The felt experience is really what the multiversity is all about, and, and that requires being there to feel it. But also the foundation and the work that we do 
around the North American continent, at least, where our focus is, is trying to help project these practices and beliefs that we have and to learn from people with their own versions of these around the country, come and collaborate and share. And at 1440 in total, the foundation and the multiversity, we have a consistent principle that we have had since day one is we have no intellectual property. We have no desire to monetize any of the things that we've learned or protect them from anything. In fact, it's the opposite. Our goal is to democratize and share everything that we can and that we find, whether it's in the psychedelic assisted therapy field and learnings about set and setting to optimize that, or in the healthcare world and trying to help the medical professionals that we all rely on be healthier themselves, or any of the many other interests that both foundation and multiversity have in this area of building stronger connections in the world and creating hope. So if any of that is of any interest, please reach out. And find us at, as I say, 1440.org or 1440multiversity.org and let us know how your passions might intersect or whether what we're doing sounds like it might be of any interest to the pursuits in your world. And and let's see if there's an opportunity to relate to one another. Well, that's an exciting offer. And I can already think of several in our community who share your interests and approaches to making change in the world. So we'll make sure to make connections in addition to getting this podcast out so others can learn what you're doing and connect as well. Well, we would love to do that. One of the reasons we call ourselves co-creators and not founders is because founding happens once at the beginning of an endeavor and co-creation actually happens every day. And so we would invite other co-creators to come and help create with us in any way that would be in support of them. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and sharing the work that you're doing. You're welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Have a nice holiday. You too. What I like about this conversation with Scott is learning how through the work of his foundation and 1440 Multiversity, they are creating deeply held safe spaces that allow for the vulnerability needed to foster relationships with self and others.